Undoubtedly, thank you. Undoubtedly, one of the most famous quotations in relation to patriotic liberty is Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. But thankfully, folks, there is a much greater liberty that we can aspire to. And Jesus Christ Himself proclaimed it when He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and here it is, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now we trust this evening that in this opening package of music in the patriotic section, your hearts will be stirred and you will rejoice and give thanks for the many liberties that we enjoy as American citizens. Because, make no doubt about it, those blessings, those liberties are blessings from God Almighty. But more importantly this evening, it's our prayer that in the second package, in the sacred section, your hearts will be stirred to thirst after the liberties that only Jesus Christ can provide. Liberty from sin, liberty in the midst of suffering, and even liberty from one's own self and past. Well, it is our pleasure to be with you here this, this evening. We've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Thank you to Pastor Smith for opening up the opportunity to us. We've never met before this evening, and so it was a step of faith that he had us here, and we appreciate it very much. We are from Watertown, Wisconsin, and as Brother Moline has already shared with you, I teach at Maranatha Baptist Bible College. Now, while I'm not necessarily on the road to promote Maranatha, let me just share with you four or five reasons why I'm thankful for this institution. Number one, when the doors first opened in 1968, my dad was one of the first students on campus, and he was in the first graduating class in 1969. And it was at Maranatha that the Lord got a hold of my dad's heart and totally changed the entire direction of his life. So that's the first reason I'm thankful for Maranatha. Second reason, when I was, well, let me back up a little bit. In the picture here, you see a portion of the old main building that's now called Burkhart Hall. This used to be the chapel, and this is where my parents were married. 
So actually, I guess you could say I'm thankful for Maranatha because if Maranatha did not exist, perhaps I would not exist. I don't know. I like to say it anyways. The third reason, when I was an eighth grader, we moved to Watertown, so I started attending the academy in the ninth grade, went on through four years there, went right into the college, studied fine arts, graduated in 1994, and once again, it was at Maranatha, the men and the women there, that the Lord used to help give me direction for my life. And so now I count it a great privilege to be back there. I've been teaching there for the past 10 years in the fine arts departments, music and speech. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity to train young men and women, no matter their vocation, to serve the Lord with the talents and abilities that the Lord has given to them. And if you're interested of learning more about Maranatha, we are a liberal arts college with many different degrees and programs and majors and if you'd like to know more, feel free to talk to us afterwards. Feel free to check us out online. But that is where we're from, and that is what we do during the school year. The rest of the time, we travel and minister to churches just like yours. This is our fourth week of 10 this summer. We've got about 32, 33 concerts lined up. And once again, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you already for your warm hospitality. It's always a pleasure to walk into a totally unfamiliar situation and have this common bond with our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The last reason I'm thankful for Maranatha. When I was a senior, this little freshman girl came. Her name was Alicia. And she stole my heart away and I ended up marrying her. And yes, I robbed the cradle and I'm proud of it. If you haven't had the opportunity yet to meet Alicia, I encourage you to do so. I know the blessing will be yours. You get to hear from her tonight, both in song and in word of testimony. And when you hear her testimony, you'll know why I say, I'm so thankful that she can be with me this evening. It wasn't always the case that she was able to travel with me and these types of things. And I'm just going to leave that little bit of suspense hanging in the air, and you can find out later on what I'm talking about. One more item of business, and then we'll continue on. In the back over here, we have with us the two recordings that we've produced. The first one is called Faithful and True, and the essence of this recording is, number one, God is faithful to us throughout all of our lives. Therefore, we need to be faithful to him no matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in. As a result, you'll hear songs like, Jesus, Savior, Blessed Friend, Down at the Cross, when we see Christ, it will be worth it all, and many other songs that encourage us in our walk of faith. And this recording was produced as a direct result of and during the midst of a very trying time in my wife and my life. And if you're going through some deep waters at this time or know of someone who is, we would encourage you to consider this recording for your music library, for we know it could be a great encouragement to you. The second one we have is called Give Me Liberty. I won't elaborate because essentially the songs you're hearing tonight, plus several others besides, are the ones that will be included on this recording. The CDs are $13, the cassette is $9, and if you are a serviceman or woman or a retired serviceman or woman, we would love to give you a $2 discount on the Give Me Liberty recording. Well, the Statue of Liberty, as our first song focused on, is indeed a great symbol of the liberties that we enjoy here in America. But you know, to appreciate the statue in all of its grandeur, you have to travel all the way to New York City. And from here, that's a long ways. But you know, there's another symbol of our liberties that we can enjoy every single day. And in fact, we can own it. 
And that is, of course, the flag of the United States of America. You're a grand old flag, you're a high-flying flag, and forever in peace may you wave. You're the emblem of the land I love, the home of the free and the brave. Every heart beats true neath the red, white, and blue, where there's never a boast or black. But should all acquaintance be forgot, keep your eye on that grand old flag. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, Yankee Doodle Do or Die. A real-life nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the 4th of July. I've got a Yankee Doodle sweetheart, she's my Yankee Doodle joy. Yankee Doodle went to London just to ride the ponies, I am that Yankee Doodle boy. All right, folks, it is quiz time. I'm a teacher, I can't help myself. Which of the following flags do you think was the precursor to our modern-day flag? I'm going to give you a couple of moments to think about this. You may confer among yourselves as long as the music is playing, but as soon as it stops, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands to see which flag you think was the precursor. All right, how many of you think it was flag A? Raise your hand. Nobody. How many think it was flag B? Raise your hand. One, two brave souls. How many think it was flag C? No one. And how many think it was flag D? Everybody. Now, how many of you chose, and I promise you my quizzes are not like this, option E, all of the above? (laughs) If you did, you would be correct. The New England pine tree flag had been in use for nearly 90 years when it was first flown at the Battle of Bunker Hill in 1775. This naval flag, used from 75 to 76, has a unique symbol of American liberty on it. Can you see what that is? Not just any snake, it's a rattlesnake. And inscribed below it are the words, Don't tread upon me. Personally, folks, I'm glad we went with the bald eagle. The continental colors used by George Washington's army after January 1st of 75 combined the Union Jack, the national emblem of the mother country with the stripes of liberty, and the circled stars flag was the flag that was authorized by Congress on June 14, 1777 with the first flag act. Now, the interesting thing about the first flag act was that while it specified which elements should be present on the flag, red and white stripes, white stars on a blue field, it didn't specify in which order those elements should appear. As a result, some of our early flags actually looked like this, along with many other variations besides. The 15-star, 15-stripe flag was authorized by Congress in 1795. This is the design that flew over Fort McHenry and became known as The Star-Spangled Banner. 
And here is a picture of the Star-Spangled Banner, the actual flag that flew over Fort McHenry during that fateful battle. Now notice a couple of interesting things about this flag with me. First of all, you see it's rather large. It's hanging from the third-story window. Down at the bottom center left is a soldier standing. In one of those top right center windows are two individuals standing. So this gives you a sense of its size and dimension. But is there anything about this flag that you notice that's not quite right? And I'm not talking about the number of stripes or stars. Those will come as the union grows. But what's wrong with this flag? All right, very good. It may be hard to notice it, but on this end of the picture, that's the end of the flag. So it's more of a square than it is a rectangle. That's one thing. There's another thing obviously wrong with it. What is it? All right, the lines are crooked, yeah. It looks like it from the picture. It's hard to see, but it's not really. Those will come as the union grows, but what's... What's, uh, something's missing from the flag. Do you see it? See in the blue field where one of those stars should be and there's just a big white blotch? What happened? Well, the reason for both of these anomalies is the same. You see, during this time period of history, it was considered appropriate and even a sign of honor to take clippings from the flag and to give them to people in positions of honor. Now, today, that would be considered a desecration of the flag, but not so at this time period. So all the flag that's missing from that end was cut off into strips and presented to congressmen, to presidents, to men who served valiantly in this battle, etc. And the star that's missing from the blue field was kept by the family who originally owned the flag before they donated it to our nation's capital. Now, I know most of us know the basic story of how Francis Scott Key was, entire, was inspired to write our national anthem. But let me fill in for you a few of the details that you might not have known so that in a moment when we stand together and sing our national anthem, you can sing it with renewed understanding and vigor. The British Navy was determined to destroy Fort McHenry so that their ships could sail into the inner harbor and support their troops who were attacking the city by land. The bombardment started at 6.30 in the morning on September 13, 1814, and it continued for not one or two or three hours, but for 25 straight hours. And the colonists inside the fort were helpless. Their guns could not reach the British ships. So all they could do was crouch behind the fort's walls while the British bombshells showered among them. In fact, this shelling was so intense, so fearsome, that one of the soldiers who was there would later write, We were like pigeons tied by the legs to be shot at. Now miraculously... Yea, divinely, only four men were killed, only 24 were wounded. And by the morning of September 14th, the British realized that their attack had been unsuccessful. And so they withdrew their ships. And it was then, as dawn approached, that Francis Scott Key penned these immortal words. Please stand with me and join in the singing of our national anthem.
seated. Undoubtedly, some of you present here this evening either have served our country or are presently serving our country in one of the branches of the armed forces. And during these summer months when we, at the end of the month of May, have our Memorial Day weekend to remember those who have fallen in battle, and in this next month, which is very soon approaching, we celebrate our national independence, I think it's only right and only appropriate that we take the time to recognize those who have and are serving our country in this fashion. My own grandfather was in the Air Force. He was a bombardier in a B-26, flew some 78 missions over Germany in the glass nose of that bomber. There was one particular mission that he couldn't make because he was out riding his bike the day before, and somehow he got thrown from his bike and he sprained his wrist. And that was the, one of the flights my grandfather couldn't make, and that was the flight my grandfather's plane was shot down and his entire crew perished. And had my grandfather been on board, we, have, we never would have had the many wonderful years we did have together. Now, thankfully, Grandpa Lowry survived World War II, and we got to know each other well before the Lord took him home. But some of you here tonight have loved ones who have not survived one of the conflicts we've had in the last 70 years or so. And so we're going to take this time, first of all, to remember and to honor them. So this next song is in dedication of their memory. But we also want to recognize those who are still with us. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sing a medley of the songs of the armed forces. And if you would, please, if you served or are presently serving in one of the branches, when you hear your song being sung, would you stand up? You don't have to stand for anybody else's song, but just your own if you're proud of your branch. This will give the rest of us a chance to scan the room to see who's standing. And then let's also do this. If you have a loved one who is not here with us tonight, but who has served or who is serving in one of the branches, when their song is being sung, if you would raise your hand. And once again, this will give us a chance to see who's being represented. Then I think it would be appropriate, appropriate at the end for those who have stood, for those who have been represented by raised hands, for the rest of us to give a round of applause to show our love and our appreciation. So, an armed forces salute. Hit the dusty trail and those caissons go rolling along. Counter march right about, hear those wagon soldiers shout while the caissons go rolling along. For it's high, high in the field artillery. Shout out your numbers loud and strong. And wherever we go, you'll always know that those caissons are rolling along. Thank you. ready for the call we pray 
our trust in Thee through surf and storm and howling gale. I shall our purpose see. Thus is our guide, our flame, our glory too. To fight, to save, or fight, to die. My coast guard, we are for you. of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. We fight our country's battles there on land and sea. First to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean. We are proud to claim the title of United States Off we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun. Here they come, swing to meet our thunder, at voice give her the gun. Down we dive, spouting our flames from under, off one thunderous roar. We live in fame, we'll go down in flame, nothing will stop the U.S.A. confession to make. When I first started presenting this program, I'm from the Midwest. I didn't personally know any Coast Guard members. I'm an idiot. And in a sad effort to save some time, I was omitting the Coast Guard stanza. That is, until I presented this program down in Tampa, Florida. (laughs) And after the service, I promised about eight Coast Guard members that I never again, upon pain of walking the plank would omit the Coast Guard stanza, and I haven't. (laughs) Sincerely, thank you to everyone who stood this evening. Thank you to those who were represented by raised hands. Words alone cannot express our deep appreciation for the many, many sacrifices that have been made on our behalf. This next song, America the Beautiful, explains that America is beautiful because of its vast and varied topography, as Alicia and I are having a chance to experience in a first-hand fashion. 
But that's not the only reason nor the most important reason why America is beautiful. The second and third stanzas explain that America is beautiful because of the men and the women who have sacrificed so much building, maintaining, and protecting this great country of ours. The fourth stanza explains that America is beautiful because of the principles upon which America was founded. But the most important reason that America is beautiful is, as the chorus explains, because God has shed his grace on this land. May we continue to pray that God would shed his grace on America so that America can remain beautiful in every sense of the word. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And the inscription on the Liberty Bell is from Leviticus 25. Proclaim liberty through all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Liberating strife. 
1787, Benjamin Franklin delivered an historic speech to the Constitutional Convention in which he urged his fellow compatriots to seek the face of God for divine wisdom. Included in that speech were these words of sage advice. Mr. President, in the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, We had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. To that kind providence, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend, or do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice... Is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? I therefore beg leave to move, that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. Now in a moment... My wife is going to come and she's going to sing one time through the words to God bless America. And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a second time through God bless America. But before we do, let me read for you the first stanza from this song that's not often sung. In fact, some of you might never have heard it before and you need to know what it says in order to understand what the rest of the song is talking about. It goes like this. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us 
all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. your voices, and most importantly, your heart in this prayer for divine protection. 